Gracious God, thank you so much uh, that you have given us the Bible, especially as we are living in these days. That there's so much tumult and challenge and uh, so many things that are happening even amongst Christians that cause us to ask questions and to wonder uh, what's going on. And so thank you for this guide to help us navigate these times. Uh, Lord, we do pray for all of those that have been affected by this Hurricane Michael, uh, both in the Caribbean and uh, in Florida. We continue to pray, Lord, for the people that were affected by the earthquake and tsunami there in Indonesia, as well as those that are recovering from the hurricane in the Philippines and uh, in China. There's so many things going on like this around the world, Lord, and we ask for you to care for those people and help them all as they rebuild their lives. So now, Lord, help us to focus in on your word and what you would say to us today. And let your Holy Spirit rest on me that I can bring your word to your people through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So Peter has just talked about uh, the Bible and how we can trust their testimony because it's based on eyewitness accounts and upon the scriptures. And now he's going to go into a slightly different topic here. He says, verse, uh, starting with verse 1, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing up on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality because of them, and, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a, a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. We'll continue on with his description next week and learn a little bit more uh, about this. But uh, uh, a lot of times people uh, wonder about all these traveling ministries that are going on, all the itinerant ministries and, and all the requests for money and things like that that are happening. And sometimes we think that what's happening around us is actually rather new, but actually it's not. Uh, if you go back, one of the earliest documents that we have in Christianity is a document called the Didache. And the Didache was set up to give some instruction to those early Christians on how to live and also what to expect 
about prophets that were traveling around and teachers that were traveling around. You see, back even in the early church, you had a number of teachers and a number of prophetic people that had ministries, and they would go around from community to community uh, ministering in those communities for a season before they moved on. And so the, the question came, you know, what should we, you know, how should they behave? What should we expect? Uh, and a lot of these people were asking for money. And so the Didache comes out and gives some very clear instructions. You know, for example, it says if a prophet comes in and says, I I'm going to prophesy, give me money, don't believe him, he's a false prophet. I mean, it's pretty, pretty clear uh, what was going on. And this was actually anticipated by Peter when he wrote 2 Peter. Looking at this, where there would be people that were traveling around, and just like in the Old Testament, even though the Old Testament was inspired by God, and even though the people who were writing the Old Testament were carried along by the Holy Spirit, there were also false prophets in those days. And Peter said, just like there are false prophets in the Old Testament, there are going to come false teachers, and they're going to arise among you. And Jesus seemed to indicate in his prophecies about the last days, and so does Paul, that there will be an increase of false teachers and false prophets that rise up the closer that Jesus Christ gets to his return. And certainly, I think, we have seen an increase in our days. I mean, you look at the number of Christian TV channels, and I'm not against Christian TV. I think it's a great blessing to the body of Christ. And you look at the radio, and, uh, and there's sometimes this assumption that everything that's on TV or everything that's on the radio or everybody that uh, has a book published that somehow because they're on TV or because they're on the radio or because they, they had a publisher willing to publish their book, that somehow they must be reputable, they must be reliable, and we can read them and we can hear what they have to say and we can understand that, okay, this is going to be good for us and we can embrace their teaching. And in fact, we tend to judge these things in the same way that people will judge films today. So they'll say, oh, this film has been very popular, it's in the box office, so it must be a good film. Maybe this film is up for an Academy Award, so it must be a good film. Maybe it's won the Best Picture Award, so therefore it must be a really good film. And we apply that kind of thinking to Christianity. And consequently, I think there are many people who are led astray and many people over, you know, not, not only in recent years, you can go out throughout church history, many people who have fallen into a trap and shipwrecked their faith. And if that's going to happen more and more, and there are going to be more and more false teachers and false prophets, uh, and maybe false apostles and false pastors and false evangelists uh, arising, then certainly we need to know how to discern. Because we can't simply assume that because a book's published or a, uh, someone's on the TV or someone's on the radio or someone is popular or someone has a big church that because of these factors, that must mean that they're okay. That must mean that they have God's approval. That must mean that they are acceptable. Because it doesn't mean that at all. And if we're not careful... It's easy for us to be led astray. It's easy for us to be led in a place where we shipwreck our faith 
or we almost lose our sense of faith or we're so wounded uh, that we just give up on Christianity and the church and all that entirely and say, I'm just going to go and sit in my room and love Jesus at home in private until he comes again and collects me or until I die, whichever comes first. So how do we know? That's what Peter is trying to address because he has this concern and he knows that as the days go on, there will be an increase. There will be an increase. And that's what he's warning. He said you can't assume that simply because there are people who seem to be good that they really are, that they really are God's people. So, he says, he warns them. He says, these people are going to rise up. And the key thing he says here in verse 1, he says that these people will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies. This can lead us to think that, okay, this person, they knowingly have this destructive heresy, and so they, they take it on board, and they bring it in, and they start to promote the destructive heresy. Sometimes that happens, but most of the time, that's not the way it works. It's a bit like this. Uh, in a, a month or so, Karen and I will be going to the United States. And the United States is very, very hypersensitive about bringing any kind of fresh fruit, vegetable, fish, any kind of thing like that, even meat that's unpacked or anything. You can't bring that into the United States. And they have rigorous things where you, you fill out a form and you say, I'm not bringing this stuff in. You talk to uh, a, a guard and you say, no, I'm not bringing this stuff in. Uh, and even you go through uh, another security check that, that is... Uh, uh, not uh, border guards, but it's actually uh, the, the border control to make sure that this stuff doesn't come in. And you're also testifying to them. But even though that's the case, there have been a few times, not many, thankfully, there will be a few times when I have forgotten that I had something in my bag. And I accidentally took it in even though I said I didn't have it. And it was only later that I realized that that had happened. Or I go back, I was in Malaysia uh, in May, and going through security and everything in Malaysia, you know now you can't have any liquids uh, in your belongings as you go through security. And I was absolutely certain I didn't have any liquids. I had all my, you know, my toiletries in my little bag, and I put it there. The only thing is that morning... I had received a little packet of orange juice that I put in one of my bags. It was at the bottom of the bag, and I'd completely forgotten about it. I thought maybe at some point in time the orange juice would be nice to drink. And I actually went through the security, and it was going through. And thankfully, the Malaysian guys are much more laid back than the American guys. You know, the American guys, they'd, they'd had like a dozen people with these big M16s. Come on, get out the orange juice out of your bag! You know, but in Malaysia, they're like, hey, man. What's in your bag? I, I don't think I have anything. What's this orange juice? Oh, man, I forgot about it. I'm sorry. Oh, never mind. Do you want to drink it now or you want me to throw it away? Oh, please, just go ahead and throw it away. And it was cool. We got through. But I had forgotten. And I think that that's what Peter is talking about here. He's not talking about necessarily people who are going to intentionally hide something. He's talking about people who are very well-meaning, who don't realize fully what they're doing, 
but they end up, by embracing a certain teaching or teaching a certain thing, they end up embracing and importing a destructive heresy. Uh, heresy is something that speaks to the very nature of God, uh, particularly the saving work of Jesus Christ. So if someone says, uh, all roads lead to God, Jesus is not the way, the truth, the life, that's a heresy. Uh, or if someone says, well, God's really not all-powerful, that's a heresy. And so what is happening is, Peter said, that these people will secretly bring in these heresies, and these heresies won't be innocent heresies. These heresies, what is going to happen, they are something that are going to be destructive toward other people's faith. They're something that if people embrace and they start to believe, then somehow it will shipwreck them or somehow it will bring down the body of Christ, or will actually harm the body of Christ. And today we live in a time where there are a lot of teachers that are simply teaching what they've heard already. Uh, for example, the, uh, you may have heard this at some point in time, and if your pastor said this, then you know just forgive him or her in the name of Jesus. But uh, the number of times I've heard someone say, atonement, that means at-one-ment with God. No, it doesn't. It doesn't even remotely mean that. But I, can, I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard a speaker use that example, and I know that they're all getting it from the same place. I just don't know exactly what that place is. No, but this, this kind of thing is happening because people, they pick on, up on something. If it sounds good, if it's very meme-like or slogan-like, they'll embrace it, and then they'll repeat it even if it's not true. And ultimately, Peter says, that that will lead to the way of truth being blasphemed and, and people's destruction. So how do you recognize this? And we're going to start today, but we'll continue next week. Peter gives us today two ways that you can recognize whether someone could be bringing in these destructive heresies. You will recognize them first by their sensuality. Sensuality. Now, this word sensuality, it doesn't mean sex. It's not about sensual sex or any kind of sexual idea at all. The word sensuality is referring to somebody who always follows their feelings. Now, if I say, oh, man, I am hungry for an entire cherry pie. And I go to the shop and I buy the whole pie and I eat the whole pie at one sitting. I've just been sensual. I followed my feelings. I followed my desires. And those who are led by sensuality are constantly doing what feels right. They're saying what sounds right. Uh, it's, they, they go with what gets them a reaction Sometimes uh, sensuous leaders are those that love to be comics in front of everybody. And there's, by the way, there's nothing wrong with humor and get people laughing. I like to do that as much as I can. Uh, but sometimes these guys just completely rely on that. So you might have an hour talk, 55 minutes of the hour are jokes, and then you got five minutes of kind of milky meat you know, in that whole thing. And there's like one idea out of an hour that you can take home and live with. Uh, that is sensuality. And so Peter says, if somebody is going by their sensuality, 
be on the lookout. Now he's going to tell us some more how we recognize that, but that's one of the big categories. The second big category, and the one that is probably more damning to people today, and I use that word advisedly, is greed. Greed. Peter says that you will recognize these people that may be secretly bringing in destructive heresies by their greed. And this is something we have to really be on the lookout for. There's always a fine line. I mean, every church has needs financially. Every ministry has needs financially. And if you are having an international impact, you need money and you need to raise money. There's nothing wrong with saying these are our needs and we could use your help and encouraging people to get there. But there are questions that come up when people start saying, well, I need a 70 million pound jet. Do you know how much you can fly first class with 70 million? I could fly first class everywhere I wanted to go for the rest of my life and still have money left over if I had 70 million pounds just to spend on my travel. I could take you all with me every trip I went to, first class, and I would still have money left over. And so you start to ask these questions. How big a house do you need and how many houses do you need? If you're a leader, do you need five different houses on four continents? How much do you need to spend on your clothes? I mean, all of these kinds of questions are valid questions that we need to be asking and we need to be looking. If you look at, uh, in terms of the early church, many of the teachers and prophets that are active today would be considered false teachers and false prophets based on that evaluation, that evaluation of greed. And I had the privilege a few months ago of being in a meeting with a, a prophet named Sharon Stone. She's based out of Windsor, and I really admire her a lot, even though she is American, but I still like her. And, uh, and I was really struck. I mean, the, the thing that I'm watching out for is how she relates and how she travels. And when we went back to the airport, she didn't insist on her own private limo. She and her husband, Greg, they rode in the coach with the rest of the group. Now that tells me a lot. And it does tell me that, hey, I can listen to what she has to say because there's no greed there. There's no greed. And so Peter's encouraging us, says, look at the sensuality and look at the greed. But then, to close out, I think he also is saying here, but don't sweat it. That's the purpose of the rest of what he says from verse 4. He's saying, don't sweat it, because one, God's got your back. So if you really are hungry for the Lord, he knows how to protect you from false teachers. He knows how to keep you from these trials. So trust him. Just like he did with Lot, he can take care of you. Just trust him. So God's got your back. And he says, don't sweat it, because God's going to deal with these people. It's not your job to go out and be the heresy hunter. And there, unfortunately, there are many highly misguided people in the world today who think it's their job as Christians to find all these false teachers, or at least somebody they want to accuse of being a false teacher, expose them to the world, even if they have to use dodgy means of doing so, uh, in order to bring them down. By the way, almost everything that you'll see on YouTube that is an expose about somebody today is probably of that vein and is not trustworthy because of it. It is not our job to be heresy hunters. Peter says, 
listen, God's got this. He's dealt with wicked people throughout history, and he is dealing with these people. He is restraining them now, and he's preparing them for the time of judgment. It's not your job to judge. It's not your job to sweat it. It's just your job to walk with the Lord faithfully, knowing that the Lord will protect you, and the Lord will deal with these situations, and he will use your faithfulness in the Lord to Jesus Christ to bring glory and honor to him. And that's our encouragement as well. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we can come to you, that we can honor you, that we can honor Jesus, that we can honor the Holy Spirit, that even though there are false teachers and false prophets in the world today that are motivated by sensuality and greed, you will protect us and you will keep us safe from them. And we don't have to deal with them because you have promised that you will deal with them. So, Father, I pray that you would help us righteously to discern false prophets and teachers and walk in purity and holiness before you. All to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, our one Lord, our one Savior, our one true God. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.